0: Well, hey there, Terrible Listeners. Let's not waste any time and get right back into it. The episode normally this week would be our fourth episode in our campaign, but we kind of wrapped up Star Trek Adventures last week, didn't we? And so we still have one more week to talk about this game, and I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to welcome back to the Terrible Warriors the person who wrote the game that we were just playing, Uh, Aaron Paulier. Hello again. Hi there! I guess I uh, end up writing
1: short adventures, don't I? Uh,
0: well, you were, you were part of the Living Campaign uh, team, and uh, we had mm-hmm. you on, it was Tug of War, right? Yes, Tug of War. Yeah. So we had you on to talk about Tug of War, and uh, and now we are the stars that sing with our life. And it was, uh, both of these games ended up being, uh, to I don't think, no fault of your own, uh, the more challenging uh adventures we were on uh with tug of war uh listener you might remember it was more on the combat rules of the ship and having to navigate how to do that fairly and then we are the stars was uh, completely the opposite it was uh much more on the situation we found ourselves in uh and also um uh, Aaron, uh i was filling you in a little bit when we were chatting before we uh started uh we were playing a mostly science crew. So there was a whole angle of the adventure that I allowed to sort of take place out of frame. So the captain was an NPC and the chief engineer was an NPC. And these things were out of the control of the players. So (laughs) uh, it's one of the reasons why our adventure ended up a little bit shorter. Um, Yeah, there uh, would have been
1: more opportunity for command characters and and whatnot to, to actually do some more. In that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Although, you know, we still got to cut our teeth with an EVA and uh, Mm -hmm. getting down and working on retrofitting the shuttles and things like that. They got to get there. But then, as it got closer and closer to, uh, all right, scientists, let us do the work now. And then they got kind of pushed into the lab as I went, well, the only thing we can do is try and solve this one mystery on why this is happening right now as uh, as the whispering got louder and the voices started to come through. And, uh, and then, um, and then this somewhat anticlimactic moment where everyone is like, Oh shit, this is it. We failed. Yeah. We're done. And I, I, oh, I changed your story just a little bit where, um, they witnessed it, and the device that's in that star kind of pulled the worst of it away before it reached the ship, and okay. and that was dumb luck on their end, and 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 but they got to see everything, but not really be able to revel in the victory because it wasn't an earned victory, right? It was, yeah, yeah they shouldn't have made it they did make it don't pat yourself on the back though <laughs>
1: yeah and, and you know that's that's great that, that you changed it for your group i I'm I have no problems with that at all uh, you know every group should actually have their own kind of you know, a game master shouldn't feel bad about changing things when it when it fits their group better. So,
0: well, exactly, their frameworks. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and and exciting. Now, going into the next story, I know we're returning to Narendra Station, and uh, these hapless idiots who have no reason to feel proud about what they've done are now going to be assigned as like task force leads. On mm-hmm. the Shackleton mysteries, that they are now like you are the experts, and you have been at the front of everything that has happened. So you're in charge now, experts, and they don't know anything, <laughs> really. Like mm-hmm. they feel like children in this scale of what they've been up against. Um, so it's uh, it'll be it'll be a fun uh, as we continue to twist the screws into them. Should you vote oh, yeah. for us to return to that game, dear listener? Of course. Uh, we won't be doing that unless uh, it'll come up at a poll again later, and uh, and you know you have to tell us we actually want to play it. So that was kind of a fun thing too. Aaron, how have you been though? Catching catching you up on our story. Um, I know you have been busy at work uh, yes. writing uh, more adventures.
1: Yes, I have. I've actually been writing a, a couple standalone adventures that haven't been published yet. Uh, I've also been writing for some of the source books that will be coming out, like uh the Science Division core book, um, the other quadrant books that haven't been released yet. Mm-hmm. There's all something in there for me. so it, it, yeah i've been I've been busy with Star Trek.
0: yeah, that's exciting. I've got the uh, I have operations in command. Um, I haven't really gotten into the, uh, the text of the book so much as just been using it for the skills and the races that have been Mm -hmm. added in, uh, or the species rather. And so the, um, uh, that's kind of all I've had the time to chew into, but just flipping through and seeing like, oh, all the histories that have been written in and new ships that have been added in. And, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. there'll be, there'll be a time maybe during the winter where I can get some mulled wine set aside and. (laughs) Start flipping through the pages, listening to some Bach in the background or something like Picard. Yeah, the starships
1: were were fun to write in Command Division. Um, I don't think I have any starships in science, but I wrote big chunks of science, the science division. So there'll be a lot of information
0: in there. Given the chunks of science that were in We Are the Stars, uh, that doesn't catch me off guard at all. Um, Now, tell me a bit, coming back to the We Are the Stars campaign, because this is Mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of, you know... Our, our, our bonus fourth episode on that. Um, you had been warning me for months before we've been playing it, sending yeah. me messages going, it's really weird. If you've got any questions, it's really weird. Um, I know this was one of your earlier adventures that you had written yes. before you'd really written all the other ones that are in, 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 in the other materials. Um, what was it about We Are The Stars that had you so worried putting it out into the wild? Well, it
1: was it was the first adventure I had written once I had signed on as a freelancer with Modiphius. Um, there's been things released before this that I, I wrote, but it was after this one. So this is like my first attempt at writing an adventure for Star Trek Adventures. And, well, there's a couple things in there that might seem strange to a person that only comes at this adventure from a Star Trek perspective, and it might be strange from someone that comes at this with no knowledge of Star Trek and only from a real science background. And it all comes down to the third act. The third act is is very strange, just because Starfleet and you know, all, all the major spacefaring races in, in Star Trek have faster-than-light sensors of some sort or another. So. In a lot of the episodes of Star Trek that you see on TV, or, or let's say Star Trek Generations, the movie, uh, when a star explodes, you see it right away. You see the effects right away. You know it's coming.
0: Yeah, that's well, that's a more of a movie TV yes. trope, right? Like the, you see that even in Star Wars uh, Force Awakens when. Kylo Ren shoots the Star Killer base and blows up like seven star systems, and they're just looking up in the sky, watching it all happen yes. in real time. But it's not real time because that would take hundreds or thousands or millions of years, depending on the distances. And even just in our solar system, it's it's yeah. about a half hour just to get to Mars at, at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And and if Earth were to explode, you wouldn't know for almost an hour if you were sitting on Mars. Um, the, uh, yeah,
1: depending on where it is in its orbit, I think Earth is 8.3 light minutes away from the sun, and then Mars is about 2 AU, so double that yeah. from the sun. Yeah.
0: And, but, yeah, and but there's also that bit that if we have faster-than-light sensors and the sun explodes, we would have eight minutes of, there's nothing we can do, we're going to die, because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we're stuck on Earth.
1: So a lot of the stuff I was writing in Act 3 is, you know what happens, When it happens, it's just that the wave of death is going to take a while to get to you. So you might think, okay, we're done. This is it. You know, I'm just going to go into my room and and pray for the the last few seconds of my life. But wait a second. This planet, I I have written, over 19 AUs away from its star. So that means it's going to be, you know, 160 minutes before the shock front gets to you. That's a whole episode. You have time. Yeah. Yeah, you have time to figure this out still. It can be yeah a supernova in the system that you're in is probably one of the worst things that can happen for a starship but you have time to figure it out and then there's real physics ways of actually getting out of this so yeah it, it, I And i was, also had
0: in my mind you didn't go you, i you got you kind of touched into it and i and i just kind of my imagination let me go a little further of those you know that grid pattern when when people are talking about stephen Hawkings of that gravity yeah. well and like the yeah, bowling ball time. on that mm-hmm. and and it's just because we've got this alien tech in the center of this star you can kind of do anything you want and yeah the uh the, the the effects of that that even as the star is collapsing though it's it's like now you're going uphill and you're going and you're and you're being drawn into the center of this draining bathtub and you're yeah, and you're exactly. forcing your way not just against time uh and well, I mean you are, because that's what's happening, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's literally a race against time because time is pulling you into in space time into mm-hmm. this into the center of this system. And so the whole ship is screaming and groaning, but then also weird things are happening where you see it on Star Trek a couple times. Something gets smashed and then it's immediately repaired again. And it's sort of time isn't making any sense anymore. And yeah, cause
1: uh, doesn't normally proceed you know, the effect of it. Effect can happen first. And that's how we were able to
0: crack the code on these crystals was by literally cracking the crystals and watching them as they went back to a previous state in time, got them to get that harmonic resonance to be able to then hear what the telepaths were hearing. And so Mm -hmm. in that one little lab, they were, uh, our Ensign did his Wesley Crusher moment and actually played it on the speakers. And mm-hmm. just as the star was going down, those five people in that room heard everything. And and you, like the music is gone now. And it's just this this dead dread as they're watching the star and hearing those words playing on the speakers. And, uh, and then those recordings are going to continue with them to Narendra as the whole ship is going to get commandeered by Corps of Engineers and Temporal Command and everything else as... Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that, that poor ship. It wasn't even our main ship. Uh, we've been flying around yeah. on a galaxy. This was a. This was a. Uh, a one-off ship for this one adventure. So a little
1: Nova, right?
0: Yeah, a little Nova class. So we get to just wreck it. And now it's uh, now it's being mothballed immediately as like a lab experiment because th- no ship has ever been this close to a supernova uh, because they shouldn't have made it beyond that wave of death. But because mm-hmm. the device activated and teleported everything away, um, they got away from it. Uh, and so there's effects on that ship that would have been beyond the point of no return, uh, that are now they can study.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and that that would be a perfect way. It's to almost segue like into
0: going like... to the other side of the event horizon on a black hole and then making it out. And yes. you shouldn't, but they did almost. So and, the Federation
1: Science Council is now very interested.
0: Yeah, and that whole ship is like top secret.
1: Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the Romulans want to know everything about that too. It's and, another Nova class that disappears from active service.
0: Exactly. I kind of love that yeah. little, because it's like the third or fourth Nova class in so many months that has now either been destroyed or gone missing. So, it's, I think I
1: mentioned two <laughs> others that...
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we know yeah. the one shows up later in Voyager, but I kind of like yes. that. Th- eventually, the ship just—they just stopped building it because people don't want to serve on it because it's just cursed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I don't want. It's like wearing a red shirt. I don't want it anymore. Can we give it to the other department? <laughs> yeah, please, just take it. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Security's going to be gold now. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. So it was. It was a. It was a fun story, and it was. It was an interesting challenge for me because we were playing with. Um, an all science team. We we had the option to create some support characters and go there in that direction, but they kind of my players were really into the puzzle side. And they were like, no no, let them handle it. They can do this. We want to solve this puzzle. So, okay, then mm-hmm. we'll go there and I'll just have everything kinda of happen off camera. Um because I one of the strengths I like with Star Trek Adventures is if everyone ends up playing a blue shirt, that doesn't mean you're not gonna ever um, be in engineering or go on combat because mm-hmm. you have the ability to create those support characters. And and we created a few, but they just didn't seem interested in leaving the science side. They were like, oh, this is too cool. Let's go into it. And they just nerded out. So they're like, alright, great. Let's do some research and development roles. <laughs> and and uh, I'll, I'll, Oh, by the way, engineering has failed. <laughs> you know, and I, I admit that I, I write
1: most of most of my adventures. I have to make sure to include command-type stuff and I tend to do a, some engineering but a lot of it is science and then I'll go into explaining some of the ideas that I'm trying to 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 put across. I know I am guilty of that.
0: But and, and that's also then, you know, you're just creating the recipe. The game master yeah. is the one who's actually having to cook the meal. And and there is always there there is the advice in the core book that for every problem you're proposing against your players um, to have already in mind what a blue, red and gold solution so that if they get stuck and they aren't figuring out an answer themselves, you've got a way to talk your way through a way to fight your way through and a way to think your way through any mm-hmm. situation um, and, uh, and give them those avenues. Um, that's harder to actually put into practice than it is to just say, um, to just, to just, I think it helps to physically draw those boxes on my paper and then fill in whatever I can come up with. Um, yeah, but it's uh, but it's tough when you know in this kind of situation in this campaign we're not up against a foe, right? We're up against the environment and yes. uh, and, and 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 a ticking clock that isn't exactly even reliable. And the uh, it's not like a standoff with the Romulans or. collapsing cave or uh uh, or even tug of war where we just have to get away from the threat of these tractor beams uh Mm. this was um because we were focusing on the science arc of the story it was i already know the answers but i want them to feel like they've earned it without me just telling them the story uh and it's, it, it, okay, spend a little more momentum and I'll give you another answer. Keep rolling the mm-hmm. dice. Okay, I can't tell you everything because you don't have... But I also don't want to ultimately withhold those. I do want them to hear it one way or the other. Yes. And uh, and so it just became a... Uh, it, it's strange, I guess, looking back, pulling back the curtain. The stakes are... Um, they felt a little... They're more smoke and mirrors on my side, uh, because I'm going to tell them, because I want to, uh, but I have to wait until that moment where they have enough points to justify me rewarding them with a little more Mm -hmm. information. Um, And it was so much different from uh, a panther's attacking you, grab your knife, (laughs) right? Like it was, it's, it's not as straightforward as that.
1: Yeah, there's and there's a lot of ways of going about figuring out what's happening or different avenues to explore with this. So, yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's very rewarding when you're able to figure out one of these problems. And, yeah, if your, car- if your players are able to do it, yeah, you want to give it to them. It's, it, to see that kind of success on their faces, that's, yeah, I get it.
0: Now, I know some people who are listening take this and then go and run their games themselves, either running the same campaign I've done it and remixing it for their players or just picking up the game themselves. If Mm -hmm. someone who's now listened to it and already knows how it ends, so they're probably going to be the game master now, and it wants to take We Are The Stars to their table, um, what advice, knowing that we can spoil everything on it now, would you give them... going into this if they wanted to then take this story that they know everything about now and turn it over to their table and try and lead them through it um granted they won't have the same makeup as ours and all Mm -hmm. the all the the the, the things i was threading because i sorry i I keep going on these tangents but this is what i do on saturday morning is um i loved that this was the one mission too where we're finally getting answers. All those little things that have been happening in the other episodes, strange anomalies and, oh, that's interesting, mm-hmm. but I don't have an answer for it. All of a sudden, it's like we're playing Connect the Dots for the first time. And, yes. uh, and it, it worked for us that it was such a smaller crew on a different ship because now they get to go back to Horizon and be... C- we think we have a lead and and there's this excitement now going into um, mm-hmm. into the next story. Um, and you have
1: the resources of a whole galaxy class yeah. behind you. And, yeah oh, yeah
0: and, and and it's exciting. and and now other people are like, I think they're on to something and uh, and the brass is going to be putting together like a meeting with all the other ships that have been doing their own expeditions be like, we need to start comparing notes because something mm-hmm. much bigger is going on here. And we're going to put the horizon people in charge because they happen to have the most notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that it's just, that's the only reason. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it, it, we are the stars that sing with our life is a different kind of adventure. What advice would you give a GM who's just listened to this uh, our story and wants to, you know, download the PDF and play it with their players?
1: Uh, the advice I'd probably give is that if you have played through all the ad- other adventures in order, a fa- you know, basically order, you've been exposed to all these clues, like you said. You, you've Your crew has seen the clues slowly add up, but there hasn't been any kind of smoking gun or even, I don't know, no real fresh evidence. But this is the adventure that will give them fresh evidence. Something that this is more than just little pieces of an ancient civilization that we keep finding or weird clues about biologically compatible creatures that have maybe been gene gene engineered with um, a a tug of war with the two species that are there. This is a high energy event that takes place, a supernova that the technology that was left behind seemingly just, takes within its own stride. Even though it's hundreds of thousands or millions of years old, it's able to handle a supernova and effectively use its energy to do something. So my advice would be to ensure that you try to get across to your players that the clues that they've been finding are these breadcrumbs that are leading up to a conclusion that you might understand what's happening but you won't ever understand the full picture just because whatever is happening is beyond the human experience quote unquote that this civilization has clearly progressed beyond what we understand and we're kind of the ants at the roadside picnic to uh quote a uh soviet era author a sci-fi author um, great book, by the way, I recommend Mm -hmm. it. Um, but the, the idea behind it was that if we were ants and a family on a road trip, just stopped on the side of the road and had a picnic, would we understand what they were doing? Would we understand what they left behind, the garbage that they left behind, perhaps the spilled Coca-Cola or whatever, the oil from the car, that might have dripped onto the ground. We just don't understand it. We might have a very firm grasp of our own lives, our own technology, but this, this is beyond. And that kind of awe, it's hard to get across sometimes. Uh, I probably would have a difficult time doing that myself. But, yeah, just trying to to communicate that to your players.
0: To I yeah. I, in the last episode last week, uh, after everything had happened and the ship had re- reconnected with the McGoway and was like, oh my God, I can't believe we made it out of that. There was the one, the civilian archaeologist, uh, who was in the lab with them and had been assisting them with the crystals. Um, he was the one walking down the hallway with them, going, Oh, it's almost too bad that we weren't teleported with the rest of the system. We're taken with everything else. <laughs> could you imagine what we could have learned and seen on the other side? And there was this moment with the other scientists, like the players. I was I was, especially saying that to horrify them, where they're like, yeah. oh, no. No, there's no point in going. Like, And I was playing it off like um, TNG episodes where no one has gone before, the first yeah. episode with the Traveler. And there's that one player, the one character who comes on board. I can't remember his name now. The insufferable one in the yellow shirt, who's uh, mm-hmm. he's all about. Like this is wonderful, this is great. We've gone to another galaxy, and Picard has to kind of slap him, going like, "It doesn't matter what we learn out here if we die out here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, but uh, playing off that that naive um, idea of, of like, oh, like, like, and he he is he is excited, almost because he doesn't grasp the threat that this scale of technology and power could represent. Um, Yeah,
1: I I would actually expect most scientists that were exposed to this to be excited at just being completely dumbfounded by something. Yeah. Something that is so beyond what everyone understands. Yeah, that's excitement, but excitement that you're describing, no. That's kind of... uh,
0: But it's an excitement, like a fear of God excitement. Like it's, it's... Yeah. It's a... There's a terror that's reserved to be like, we have to learn about this because this is uh, awesome in the terrifying sense. Exactly. Which is exciting, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking ahead, uh, I was just having a look here at the current standings of our Patreon poll. Uh, Sadly, it does not look like we will return to Star Trek Adventures next month. Um, The the other options I had were uh, Urban Shadows, uh, Dogs in the Vineyard, and Night Witches. And, oh well,
1: I know what I would pick. Right, nice. I
0: thought I thought you might. Uh, Dogs in the Vineyard is currently in the lead, but only by two votes. Night Witches is in second. So, Night Witches. So here here we go. Here here's a little here's a little right. time for you to platform. Um, Night Witches is is written by uh, uh, Jason Morningstar, I believe, and and it focuses on um, a, a group of women who served in the Russian yeah. air force so Soviet in, air force. or Soviet air force in world war two. Yes. And that's all I really know about the game right now. I begin researching it next week after we're done recording, um, the December game, which is, I'm actually recording it tomorrow, but at the time you're listening to this episode, I recorded it three days ago, but we're playing masks next. Uh, okay. well, as soon as we're done with masks, I then turn the page and get ready for the next game. Um, so I'm gonna have to I've already done Dogs in the Vineyard, so I'm going to look ahead and research Night Witches anyways. But Aaron, you have some connection with the Night Witches and its history. You you know a bit about them. Um, I
1: do know a bit about them. So yeah, even though tell me i didn't about work your other
0: life. You you write for Star Trek by day or by yes. night and by day or by night you're uh you you you, you have other role playing.
1: Well, I, I have other role-playing that I do, yeah. But I have, as a hobby, I do World War II reenacting, and specifically I do Soviet reenacting, uh, along with my wife. Uh, so one of the things that most people don't know about the, the Soviets in World War II is that uh, they had many, many, many women serve in frontline combat roles just right alongside the men. But the Night Witches, as the Germans called them, they, weren't, they didn't refer to themselves as the Night Witches at the time, uh, were originally one of three Air Force regiments that were entirely women uh, that were formed in late 41, early 42. Uh, the Night Witches specifically, see, I can get into a lot of detail about this, but uh, they they were specifically the 588th Night Bomber Regiment. Uh, they were later renamed the 46th, 46th Guard Bomber Regiment, um, fully female from their officers all the way down to their mechanics. Um, they were a fascinating group. I always refer to them as big damn heroes. Uh, they often flew dozens of missions each every night, harassing the Germans as they slept, and they fought using World War One era biplanes, uh, which most people think would be complete garbage at the time because you completely know, obsolete
0: and not flyworthy at all. Well, they were obsolete
1: let's not say they weren't, but they were used very effectively because they were used at night. They were hard to detect. They would go up to altitude. And if you know anything about aerodynamics, biplanes generally have a really good glide ratio. Well, I mean, in general, I'm I'm overly, overly generalizing there, but they would shut off their engines and glide over the German lines silently so that's where the Germans got their uh, gave them their nickname because when their planes flew over at treetop level, they sounded like a broom sweeping across the ground. That's how their wings sounded going through, but they'd come over silently right, and then the drop wings, bombs. Right, because the
0: wings, the biplanes, would, the wings would be covered in um, in fabric and and, and, and yes. stuff like that too. They weren't uh, they weren't just wooden, so they would have mm-hmm. all that flapping material. Yes. Oh, that's it was, cool. I mean, it
1: was tightly put yeah. onto the frame, but these night witches would drop bombs on the Germans as they slept, and then they would turn their engines back on and, and fly away. But they did this all the way through some of the worst winters the 20th century saw, going up to altitude without oxygen, you know, up to 10,000 feet. You don't need oxygen there, but think about how cold it would be when the ground temperature is oh, 40 yeah. below zero. Oh, yeah. A of these
0: were open cockpits. Oh, they all the, were open they all, they all would have been, yeah.
1: So these, so the role-playing game specifically is about this regiment and the, the things that they go through, because it's not just about fighting Germans. It's about fighting sexism as well, because even though the Soviet Union did kind of have egalitarianism in, in many ways, there was still a lot of sexism in the, in the Soviet army. So men didn't think that women should be up on, on the front line. Some men did. Um, I I talk about that a lot when I'm at an event talking to the public when I'm in my character. Uh, But, yeah, they have to struggle against that. They have to struggle against um, how to be feminine as well as be a soldier. A lot of them had had kind of identity issues because of that. Like, should I I try to portray myself as being strong, uh, as a strong soldier, or should I portray myself as being a woman? So some of them would shave their heads. Some of them would keep their hair long. Some of them would embroider their uniforms and get in trouble for it um yeah they're a very interesting group anyway my my wife actually does uh reenacting alongside me and she she actually portrays one of the night witches
0: i have seen some of the pictures that you have shared on social media and uh it's 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 really interesting um reenactment is not something i uh i've ever known anyone who's done uh and it's also interesting to meet someone who does reenactment that also has another foot in uh, in role playing and tabletop role playing, and uh, I mean they all kind of feel like they're they're connected by a similar passion of telling stories and uh, and and and, yeah. and, and that. Um, but what would be uh, like what makes a reenactment a reenactment versus something more like a live action role playing?
1: Well. In a reenactment in general, well live action role playing, you don't have firearms that actually will fire blanks. Um, you you'll have nerf guns or you know, nerf swords, yeah. foam swords. But in a reenactment, it's more about living the life and then teaching the history, trying to be as accurate as possible. Um
0: so Education wa- is the is the driving force.
1: Education is key because a lot of times, even if you think you know a lot about World War II or World War I or whatever war is being reenacted, you generally don't know a lot. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll say that as a person that does this reenacting, I know nothing, okay? I, I, I know more than most people do, but I know so little to what's com- compared to what's out there. So even I, I will take it as an educational experience. Everything I do there is so I can understand things better, and then maybe through me understanding things, other people can.
0: So you're and, taking the additive of walk a day in the shoes, literally, and yes. and, uh, and 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 walking the shoes, and eating and sleeping, and you know, talking the talk. Yes, uh, and it's the it's
1: specifically the reason why my wife and I both decided to start doing it is that we go to air shows, we go to uh, historical uh, events. Around the U.S. and even in Canada, we've been to the the Ontario uh, Museum up there. Uh, the boy, I, now I'm blanking on the name. It's the Ontario Tank Museum. It's mm-hmm. anyway, we've been up it's there, up but there. a lot of I don't actually know yeah, it myself either. It, we go to these events and we often he, have people talking about the Allies of World War Two, and they'll talk about the Canadians, the U.K., Australians, U.S., uh, New Zealand but they'll always forget the Soviets. And we kept hearing this over and over and over again. And we said, we can't have that anymore. (laughs) We we need to start talking about this. We need to make sure that people don't forget the fact that the Soviets lost millions upon millions of people in the war. That most of the fighting actually occurred on the Eastern Front.
0: It's interesting. I think the uh, the, the, the Soviets got retconned in history because of Stalin and then the Cold War and then yes. American, you know, push against communism. And then everything kind of, it revised history that they like ally with an asterisk beside their name. Yeah, yeah. And, but that doesn't like erase what happened and why those things happened when they did. Um If, if, if things went differently with you know the way their leadership was, and then into the '50s and post-war with uh, with, with Berlin and Korea and the rest, as, as the world was kind of cut in half. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it 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 it's colored then everything that happened before that as well, even going back to uh, before World War II. It's 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 yes. it's, it's it's interesting the uh, the effect that uh, that those biases would have, and then revising history looking backwards.
1: And, and the Soviet experience during the war colored their own perspective of the West and how, how to deal with the United States and its allies after the war. It really did color it you, when you have an event as destructive as World War Two um to, to give an example is one of the facts that I try to, to put out there, and I'm using round numbers here. The United States, and I don't, I, I'm sorry that I don't know about Canada, but the United States lost about 400,000 people during the war across all theaters of combat. Um, the Soviets lost a minimum of 20 million. And it ends up, when you start adding in the Holocaust and all of that, that the Soviets lost about one out of seven people. One out of seven people in their entire nation was killed in the war, and you can't come out of that without being changed somehow. You can't. And to understand that and and the the horrors that they saw and yeah, just the loss of an entire generation, it it really does kind of change your perspective on World War II, on history, on the Cold War, on the diplomacy of today. It's, It's interesting and it's worth teaching and learning about, but yeah, Night Witches is, is very important. Um, it's, it's a well-written game, uh, and it explores some pretty serious subject matters such as, you know, sexism and, mm-hmm. uh, some of the, the, the terrible things that these, these women saw in the war.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I, I am excited to return to Dogs in the Vineyard. It's got its own thing going for it, but uh, Night Witches has been there in in my shelf for a while. And uh, I, uh, if it if it doesn't make it this poll, it will show up again, and uh, I'll just keep putting it there until you have no choice. You must pick something you haven't picked. Uh, here's a, a poll of all the others coming back, uh, and uh, one day we're we're definitely gonna be playing Night Witches and playing through it. Um, the uh, uh i was just getting very interested like i just want to sit down and talk about history now and and and, and the reenactments and stuff the um uh you're you're still writing new star trek correct yes yeah yes so yes. uh i guess as we as we wrap up this lovely conversation you have shared with me um mm-hmm. what uh what would you like to tease us with of uh things that um Uh, we haven't played yet on our living campaign or even stuff that isn't like that is just ready to uh, maybe see the light of day uh, that we can uh, bring to our tables
1: well uh, i would say that there's some standalone adventures out there that i have written that when they get published if you have enjoyed tug of war and uh, we are the stars that there's something that i wrote that's called uh, nest in the dark and I don't want to talk much more about it without spoiling a whole bunch, but it it deals with some pretty heavy cerebral subjects. Let's put it that way. But there's a lot of ways to go about exploring the ideas in that mission. Um, But yeah, Nest in the Dark. So continuing
0: to feel like we're ants on the highway. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, But, you know, there's, there's episodes of Next Gen that are like that. There's episodes of the original series that are like that, where, you know, mankind hits something that they have never experienced before. That very and,
0: first episode with the Borg. Um, yeah. Before the Borg became what they were, that first time they interacted with them and they were just so alien and unstoppable. Um, but relics. The, r- relics or the stuff with the uh, Tacon the, uh, the Empire or the, uh, the mm-hmm. Iconian Gateways. The Iconian um, Gateways.
1: Right. But yeah, I'll say relics, hint, hint. Yeah, and yeah. That's oh, about it.
0: Relics was the one with the um, the precursor race, the one where mm-hmm. they What was the one where they were racing against the other species to find the clues in their DNA?
1: That that's oh boy. Now I'm, I know what one you're talking yeah, about. but the Relics in, was not that one.
0: And and then and then there ended up being like a single race that had seeded the galaxy. Yes, that had, precursors. Yeah, and, and 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 so Cardassians, Klingons, Romulans, humans were all they all shared a common ancestry with these uh, first ones who, when they went out into space, they were alone. Yeah, uh, and they
1: seeded DNA onto planets so that it would be more likely humanoids would evolve.
0: Yeah, and uh, it was like, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek on like, why do all the Star Trek aliens look like humans with prosthetics? I was like, well, that's how now. It's canon. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's canon. And, and, you know, it wasn't a bad episode. It's it's an interesting idea. It was an
0: interesting episode, and it was kind of a fun, like, like a uh chasing the breadcrumbs almost a who done it, right? Where they're they're getting all these pieces together. What what was Relic? Um Relics Relics is the one
1: with Scotty.
0: Oh, the Dyson fear. Yeah. yeah oh hint, and- hint. That's interesting. It. Interesting. I know. I don't want to
1: spoil any further than that.
0: Okay. 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 Uh, the uh, I did like uh, in in the core book they have a section on on pl- big places of note and uh, the Dyson Sphere and the crystalline entity. They all get mentioned, and mm-hmm. not just what they were on the show, but then what's happened to them since. Um, yes. And it was kind of fun to see, oh yeah, the Dyson sphere is still there and the core of engineers is still studying it and they don't really know what's inside and no one can really get close to it, but it's there if you want to go visit it in your game. Um, yeah, it's
1: kind of hard to miss being as big <laughs> as it is, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, being a whole big Dyson sphere. And like the crystalline entity, um, depending on where you are in the timeline, is still just roaming around and mm-hmm. uh, and doing its thing. It hasn't been shattered yet, but just because that one doesn't mean it was one of a kind. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there's, yeah. You know, and all all those other kinds of things. Ah, it's just it's so much fun. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for writing these games and uh, for giving us a chance to go through it and uh, and, and play in your sandbox. So um, it was uh, this was a this was a fun this was a fun story, and it was fun to get a little bit of uh, a sense of uh, that they're all connected and shared, and that there is something going on, even if we will never understand what it is. There's this like there's this tangible thread. Now, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, and then and that's just going to keep bringing us back now. It's like, we've got to find out more. We need to know what's going on.
1: Well, with the further adventures in this season of, of, of Star Trek Adventures, there sh- you should be able to have your characters figure out what's going on.
0: Oh, till I,
1: I have not written any further ones in this season. Uh, those are out of my hands. But there will be better clues later, or more clues, I should say.
0: Very, very exciting. So I implore you, listener, I know Aaron wants you to vote for Night Witches, and so do I, but also for Star Trek Adventures. Let's just get a tie and play both of them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, if you're if you're interested in hearing more about those polls, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash terrible warriors. Every month, there's a new poll put up. Anyone who supports it any amount gets access to that poll. There's other things, the debriefs, the postcards and stuff that are at the higher levels. But if you want to just help us choose which game we play next, uh, that's where you should go and do that. Because we get requests all the time on social media and emails and in our Discord channel. And I love it and I appreciate it. And I like getting stuff put on my radar. But I don't listen to them. (laughs) I listen to the poll on Patreon. So go check that one out. And in the meantime, Aaron, where can we find you? Uh, Where's your presence online?
1: i'm on facebook aaron Pollier, p o l l y e a i'm the only one there mm-hmm. um i'm that's that's where i am you can contact me there i i post uh writing stuff there now and then um uh, but yeah that's where i am you can see pictures of reenacting and some really yeah. cool
0: pictures of reenactment it, it is it's been a really interesting uh keyhole to pee through into the uh in in into that like uh, that hobby and that 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 world of uh uh, of, of really interesting um, details. Uh, it's uh, the, your uniforms and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's great. It's really cool. cool. Uh, Thanks. And uh, as well as, uh, there we go. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors. Uh, here at what we're doing next week, we start the first episode of Masks, also voted for you, a new generation. It's the Third supplement book just came out, Unbound. So we are going to be playing, even though it's our third turn on masks, with all the new expansion material, all the new heroes that are available to play as. And uh, this will be a very different tone than those first two games were. I'm very excited to play that. I'm actually recording it tomorrow at the time of this recording, so I don't know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. So so find out. It's going to be exciting. And... Uh, uh, Ugh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good month of December as we wrap up 2018 and then find out which game we're gonna be playing in the new year. And I hope it's I hope it's Night Witches because then I'll set it at that same time of year, right in the middle of winter, right at the turn of the new year, at those times of like the pause that sometimes happens during Christmas and that and and around that that yeah. that very quiet and horrific time of of of, of the war. Um, it will be uh, it will be it will be an interesting place to set it. Uh, so, it'll be we'll see. Although we might end up playing Dogs in the Vineyard, which works too, because of Red Dead Redemption Two, and I just feel like being a cowboy too. So it's all—I yeah. I, I, I don't put any of those games onto that poll if I'm not 100% excited about all of them. So it's always a win for me, no matter what you choose. Uh, so it's a—I uh, can continue on, but I digress. I have That's expended fair. my time with you and with myself. Thank you for joining me, Aaron. And thank you for
1: having me. I, I love talking Star
0: Trek adventures. And I love talking Star Trek adventures as well. Uh, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Until next time, dear listeners, thank you for joining us. Be good to each other.